0: So this is the Interledger bi-weekly call, uh, 16th of September, if you're listening to the recording. Um, We have two topics on the agenda today. First up, Kincaid's gonna walk us through his uh, ILP over HTTP change proposal, some updates that he's got proposed for that. Uh, And then we have a um, proposal from a new member of the community. Um, I'm probably gonna butcher the name, but Yuri Vinogradov, Uh, who posted on the forum and has done an implementation of Interledger in Hyperledger Aroha uh, blockchain. So uh, we're hoping to get a demo of that and a short discussion of that as well as soon as Kincaid is done. So we're going to start with Kincaid, um, give uh, Yuri and colleagues a chance to join, uh, and then uh, any other business we'll pick up after that. Kincaid, take it away.
1: Cool. Yeah, so I wanted to talk about a proposal I made a while back, but recently revised to add retry behavior to ILP over HTTP. Um, And just to give kind of a brief overview, if you have two connectors peered with one another um, using ILP over HTTP, um, you'll Today, what you'll do is you'll send the prepare packet in the request, and then in the HTTP response, you'll get back a fulfill or reject. Um, there's a potential issue if uh, the network goes down uh, while this request is still pending. Um, the fulfill won't be returned back, Um and then that can cause balance inconsistencies between two peers. One thinks they owe the other some money, the other doesn't. Um, and I think that can actually potentially uh, also cause errors at the stream layer, at the stream layer, and at the application layer um, if those are encountered during a payment. Um, So what would be nice is the ability to retry delivery of the fulfilled to prevent that class of failure. Um, What I'm uh, proposing here, there's a link uh, on the agenda in the form, but I'll put it in the chat here too, um, is instead of uh, the ILP fulfill or reject being returned in the HTTP response, a a separate outgoing HTTP request could be made back to the uh, uh, sending connector, the the, the peer that originally sent the prepare, um, and that request can be retried. Uh, So the idea is when you send an ILP prepare, you do that like normal, um, but you also include a request ID uh, to correlate the prepare with the fulfill or reject. And this is the recent change I made is you'll also include a callback URL header um, in the request, and then the, your peer will use that uh, to send the uh, request with the fulfill or reject back to you. And then, so then they'll make a request uh, once they receive the fulfiller reject. They'll make the an HTTP request back to back to you with the same request ID. And what that enables is you to be able uh, that connector to be able to retry um, that secondary request by resending. Uh, if it if it fails due to a network error, they can just send the fulfiller reject again in multiple HTTP requests. Um, so it should. Um, solve some of the uh, edge cases around uh, the balances getting out of sync. Uh, The change I made here from the previous proposal was, um, whereas previously the each connector would be statically configured with the URL of their peer to send the fulfill back, uh, here, the callback URL is included in a, in a header. And the reason for that is um, if the center is operating a load balancer, um, they would have to keep track. If the center of the IOP prepare is operating a load balancer, they would have to keep track of which node uh, handled the original prepare. And then that adds uh, additional complexity, whereas with the callback URL, header approach you could include if you're operating multiple nodes sorry multiple nodes behind a load balancer uh, the node that originally handled the prepare could include um, the host uh, of itself it, uh, of itself um, essentially enabling the fulfiller reject to skip the load balancer and go directly back to that node so it just adds some more uh, flexibility and simplifies the implementation um, And then this, I I took out um, idempotence or retry ILP prepares for now. Um, It just uh, makes kind of the initial implementation simpler, and there didn't seem to be consensus on that yet. But we could go in more into that uh, later if people have questions or want to discuss that. Cool.
0: Thanks, Kincaid. Any any questions? I have one um, very quickly. So is your uh, expectation, it doesn't look like it from the code, but I was wondering um, for request response matching, so if I send out a prepare and I want to match the, the response, could I just use a unique callback path like to optimize that? Or is your expectation that the callback path is kind of the same for or hosts per host rather than per request?
1: Yeah, so I, I I considered that, and DJ also suggested that. Um, I think this makes it easier if we later add um, retry, like idempotent prepare retries, because then you can use the same request ID when you're retrying prepares. Um, Okay,
0: interesting. Yeah, I guess you can encode whatever you want in the callback, um, in the callback URL. So you could sort of uh, change the callback URL for each retry or something like that. And that way detect if you're getting which one you're getting. Yeah, okay. I, I guess you've left it open like for an implementation. Um, would you say it's wrong though, for an implementation to use a unique callback
1: URL per request? You don't already call that out. No, but I think they search. should. Uh, I think they should probably defer to the header in that case, the, the request ID in the header.
0: Have you um, have you got any uh, experience, or have you looked at all at um, the ability for load balancers to use that header for sort of sticky sessions, like somehow match on it and be able to route like uh, route Incoming requests maybe back to the same host or something like that.
1: Uh, no, no, I'm not.
0: Okay. I wonder if that's something I I, I haven't looked at. Like, I mean, there's quite a prolifer- proliferation of load balances there these days. Like, if you could do some sort of prefix matching on the request ID, like generate different request IDs, request IDs with a different prefix depending on the host, so that you could sort of Route them at the load balancer or something, but if, because you're saying you're saying if you want to route back to the correct host, you should use the um, you you would use the URL. But i I think a lot of cases the uh, load balancer like the the URL or the you know address to the load balancer is the same, irrespective of which host uh, which host behind the load balancer actually gets sent the traffic you would do some sort of header inspection to decide where to route it. If not on like a random or round robin.
1: Gotcha. Yeah, it do- it certainly doesn't preclude that. If
0: That's that's what I'm kind of wondering if you've, yeah, it, it it doesn't look like it, but I don't know enough. I know when we looked at this in the past, like when Evan was first looking at ILP of HCP, trying to figure out the right way to do this and was kind of surprised at how few, load balancers allow you to do anything like that. Um, or some of them, I think, can't remember the details, I think some of them you can do uh, matching on headers, but not on parts or the other way around, or something like that. Um, things like HA, HA proxy does one, but in Nginx like, doesn't support it or something. It, it may be worth like have, checking that out. But um, on the surface, I think this looks fine. I guess it looks great. The, the, the question is, Um, what's this sort of migration path? Like do, do people who want to use this, does that have to be bilaterally agreed? Um, or do you kind of, if you see a callback, then you must respond immediately and then send the full full or reject in a, in a follow up.
1: No, 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 uh, no bilateral agreement, uh, would be required here. Uh, like it, it, it still supports getting the packet back in the HTTP response. Um, but, uh, if you support the newer protocol and you, and you, uh, receive the callback URL and request ID headers, you should respond asynchronously. Um, okay, the, but the, it's the okay if you don't, with the, the prepare, like if, if we were to implement it impotent prepare retries that we wouldn't be able to do backwards compatibly. Um, so it would require, um, Kind of a breaking like uh, agreement between peers right
0: okay okay yeah, yeah. I, i'm following cool this is awesome any other comments questions Got a full house today okay uh what are the next steps yeah kinkade i'm uh i'm assuming you're looking for some reviews on the pr and then we merge it in yeah have you have you got any code um, like proof of concepts or, or changes to the any of the implementation code that reflect this?
1: Uh, not not currently, uh, but okay, cool. if that's something people want before merging this, I'd be I'd be open to, to doing that.
0: Maybe maybe the maybe the best thing to do is if uh, people are happy with the PR and approve it. Um, we can, well, it's, not, it's backwards compatible. I think we can just merge it if everyone's happy and then uh, the code can follow, right? Because nothing, no, nothing breaks. Um. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Thanks, Kincaid. Um, so the next thing we wanted to chat about was Hyperledger Iroha. Have we got the folks on the call who wanted to give us a demo? Yeah, quite a few unfamiliar names, so I hope so. Uh, yes. Hey, George, great. Um, yep. How do you guys so want to go about this? Do you want to share your screen and give us a demo? Um, introduce, maybe uh, introduce yourselves? Uh, yeah, first so time I should going give together. you a
2: little bit of context. So Perfect. yeah, my name is George and at the moment I'm uh, mentee in the Hyperledger mentorship program. And as part of this program, I've been working on integrating Interledger with uh, the Hyperledger Iroha blockchain. And as part of that, I've implemented a settlement engine for Hyperledger Iroha. So yeah, I could share my screen if that's okay for you.
0: Perfect. Um, so fortunately, we also have David on the call who... Um, Runs Hyperledger Quilt project, which is the Java implementation of a bunch of Interledger libraries. I don't know if you guys use those at all or if you've uh, coordinated this at all
2: with David. Uh, well, the implementation is in Java, but uh, we didn't use any uh, functionalities of Hyperledger Quilt. Okay, although that's what we initially uh, wanted to do, but in the end, we just uh, did a plain Java implementation of that. Uh, Okay, so let me just share my screen. Is it up? Yep. Uh, Okay, cool. So first, let me just show you, I've prepared a Docker Compose file, which set Up all the required infrastructure for running the demo. So, I have. uh, So, this demo is about making a payment across two separate Hyperledger Aeroha blockchains. And this payment is facilitated by Interledger. So, as you can see, I have two different uh, Aeroha blockchains Aeroha0 and Aeroha1 and i have three interledger nodes alice bob and charlie alice is the sender charlie is the recipient and bob is the connector and i also have settlement engines um, set up for all of these uh, guys so here i have uh, the docker compose file running in uh, in a bridge network and Just a second. Yeah, here I have the scripts uh, that will, in the uh, beginning, just check the balances of uh, the peers uh, inside each uh, of the blockchains, uh, run some commands to just set up all the accounts uh, for the interledger payment. Uh, Then I will uh, just set up the exchange rates and then I will send a payment, and in the end, I will recheck the balances to see that uh, the balances changed according to the payment. So let me just run the script. Initially, we just need to uh, deposit some uh, amount in. Uh, the sender's Iroha account. We then uh, check the balances. So in the first blockchain, we see that Alice has 1,000, Bob has nothing. And in the second Iroha blockchain, we can see that Bob has 1,000 and Charlie has uh, nothing. Then uh, I just uh, set up some accounts. I inform the connectors about the exchange rates. And for this particular example, The exchange rate is one and uh, the amount that is transferred over Interledger is 500. Uh, Then I make the payment and in the end we see that 500 moved from Alice to Bob on the first Eroha blockchain and 500 moved from Bob to Charlie on the second Eroha blockchain and in this case Bob is the connector that uh, facilitated the payment. So this is it. This is it about uh, the demo.
0: That's very cool very very cool so so sorry i mean uh to we, we jump straight into it, but maybe you want to give a bit of context on uh Iroha and like i am assuming you i mean you say it's a it's a blockchain system um, anything you want to say about how it works or how the integration works uh between the two
2: uh, sure so I'm not very f- that familiar with uh, Hyperledger Aeroha I've just been working on it for the last three months about, but Hyperledger Eroha is uh, a permission blockchain that uses uh, a novel consensus uh, protocol.
0: Okay, okay. So, um, so the components that you have running are um, a sender, connector, receiver, and then settlement engines that speak uh, what, how, do you, how do you communicate with the Aeroha blockchain? Um, it uh, you can communicate with it or? over HTTP. Okay, so you speak to like a node on the blockchain um, mm-hmm. from the yep.
2: settlement engine. Okay. Yep, cool. exactly. Okay. Uh, and awesome. regarding that, so yeah, I've been working on, on implementing a settlement engine for hapledger Aeroha and at the moment we were wondering about uh, possibilities to review or get some kind of high-level audit of the implementation from more experienced uh, uh,
1: engineers so, that are, so are I familiar think with Interledger. The
0: uh, yeah. There, there's uh, probably a few people who can help on this call. I I'm definitely wouldn't mind helping. Uh, on the Java side, David's probably the, the person I'd call out um, and maybe others in the spring team who he works with, they, they work on that, that uh, technology stack a lot more than we do at Coil. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, anyone else have questions or comments or want to volunteer to give the guys um, some help uh, with their review?
3: Hey, this is uh, David. Yeah, uh, this is great work. Um, I'm really excited to see it. I've been thinking a lot about uh, how to bridge uh, various Hyperledger projects. Um, so it's really neat to see uh, Interledger and Aroha talking to each other. So one of the neat things about the Settlement Engine API is like um, it's really kind of an abstraction. So I think as you, if, if I saw it right, it looked like you're using the Rust connector, um, a Java based settlement engine to talk to Aroha and then Aroha itself. So. yep, exactly. Uh, yeah. That's really cool to see in. Um, so yeah, like, like Adrian said, uh, quilt is pretty Java focused. Um, and we also have a Java connector implementation. So, I think one takeaway I have is um, the implementations of settlement engine, there's two sides, right? There's what you built uh, for, I think you called it RoHa settlement. And then there'd yeah. be any arbitrary connector. So right now there's like three connectors, the JavaScript uh, variant, one in Rust, one in Java. So um, wh- one thing I'm uh, interested to do is uh, we have a bunch of integration tests in the Java connector to make sure that it's kind of like speaking settlement correctly. So it'd be great to get um, like some links to the Aroha Settlement uh, project itself and maybe like a Docker um, uh, like file or whatever that we could uh, plug into our integration test just to make sure that, um, the, at least in the Java case, it's able to speak correctly to your settlement engine. Yeah, that would be good. At the moment, the examples
2: are running Uh, The examples are using the Rust implementation of the Connector Interledger Rust. Uh, I haven't tried to use uh, the Java implementation of the Connector yet, but yeah, that would be good. So if there are tests that can be run that could uh, give us an overview over the status of the implementation, yeah, that would be great to have.
3: Yeah. Um, I should throw a link here in a minute into the chat. There's um some settlement engine integration tests in the Java connector that use the JavaScript XRP ledger settlement engine. So um I think that it's there, but like um one of the cool things about having different implementations is like if you if you like the Rust implementation and you find that useful, you don't necessarily have to move over to any other implementation. Things mm-hmm. should just work together. So Oh, I see. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Thanks for that. I'm Thanks, curious. David. Um. Yeah. Go ahead. Just one follow-up. Uh. Slightly, you know, related, but slightly like um, different topic. I guess. Um. Do you guys have a a use case in mind, or like what what kind of triggered the work and Um, do you have any plans to like deploy this into production anyway? Uh, I guess if Yuri was on the
2: call, he could, uh, speak a little, a little bit more about the use cases because yeah, he has some use cases in mind, but I'm not fully, uh, aware
3: of all the use cases that he, he was thinking of. Okay. Yeah. Um, Maybe that's another thing to uh, if he wants to follow up with me, or or you could come back to the call. I mean, we have these every two weeks. Mm-hmm. I think each of the okay. connectors are in a different state of um, main maintainability, if you will. Um, so it's probably worth talking about um, if if you if you do have a real production use case, like we should talk to maybe the coil guys and Kincaid uh, and and me and just see what fits your use case.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure.
3: That would be great.
0: Thanks so much, George. Um, really appreciate the demo. Uh, any, any other questions? Any other um, comments from other folks on the call? Uh, David, a question for you. Um, I mean, is there still a sort of uh, intent within the Hyperledger project for uh, Quilt to be used by other blockchain projects like this? Like, are they, do, you, do you foresee there being similar projects, for example, for other blockchains? fabric or sawtooth
3: or yeah it's a great question. Um I I do actually I think um like a fabric settlement engine would be really interesting. Um of course this Arohat one is is great. We actually just came out of the um Hyperledger member summit which is like the basically was online this year but um Good chance to talk to some of the other um, project maintainers. There, there's a project called uh, Cactus um, that's kind of new in, in Hyperledger. At, at first blush, it might be uh, tempting to consider it to be the same as Interledger, but um, I think it's actually more of a way to standardize um, blockchain. So, if if anything, like Cactus might um overlap a little bit with our like settlement engine architecture so like um that's another another uh, opportunity there so like, i think cactus needs to mature a little bit like you could imagine cactus um in the hyperledger ecosystem building what you might imagine is like either plugins or settlement engine like implementations for the various hyperledger projects and then you uh, I, this, I haven't thought too deeply about this, but y- you might imagine like a Cactus settlement engine. Um, so it's like one abstraction on another, but uh, it might be a way to reduce work.
0: Okay. Yeah, I'm just having a look at Cactus. Um, interesting. Yeah, it, it looks like they're ta- tackling a slightly bigger scope, like data transfer and so on. I mean, a lot of blockchains are not just about value. Um, Recording value, interesting. Maybe there's yeah, maybe there's some scope there to work together. Cool. Yeah. Um, any any other thoughts or questions? We're uh, we've still got uh, thirty minutes left on the call if, if we want to use it. Um, there's nothing else on the agenda.
3: I tuned in a little uh, late, so apologies, but I I have a question for Kincaid on the previous proposal. Um, if that's
0: sure, if there's, if there's no more questions for George, um, then let's leave that there. Thanks again, George. And, and please do, um, you know, if you've got any updates, so if you want to share, um, links to the code anywhere, if it's, if it's available publicly, please do on the forum, um, or in the Slack and, and yeah, let, you know, let myself or David or anyone else know if you need review or input, um, really welcome these kind of additions so thanks again
3: okay sure thanks and george i just David, put a link into uh sorry adrian just one just one final thought there i just put a link into the chat for um one of our integration tests in the java connector um just briefly uh we have a little like simulation harness in java connectors so That's going to pull in, you know, like a Postgres database, Redis, kind of all the dependencies that a given connector might need. And then it's going to actually spin up two connectors, um, sort of in memory. Um, And then it will spin up two settlement engines and sort of configure everything and allow you to um, like, in in this case, we just validate inputs and and whatnot. um definitely interesting from like sort of a simulation or uh topology testing perspective mhm okay and then... yeah i will i will take a look okay and i'll throw one more link in there which is like um more of our uh, documentation link that might be helpful too yeah sure. thanks cool
1: also if there's a link to the code um uh, if that's public, like, feel free to post that in the Slack or something.
2: Uh, yeah, I will post the link in a minute in the chat.
3: Cool. Uh, yeah, I just threw one more link in there, which is just more of an overview of um, how Settlement XRP works, but um, should be pretty familiar given what you did with RoHa. Um yeah I guess just pivoting over to the previous topic um yep tune in late so apologies if this was covered but um I wanted to ask about um the presence of the new header does does it have any security implications on the protocol So the only one I could think of is normally like the link addresses would be sort of statically configured um I guess that would be one the second sort of question or like how does it work which would be you know if if a packet um, goes from a to b uh, b doesn't need a bearer token for that to happen Um, but in it seems like in this new world both sides of the link would need a, a bearer token
1: Yeah, I don't think, I mean, yeah, I guess what uh, what do you think on that? Like, I guess it's probably left a little bit ambiguous right now um, in terms of authentication on the backwards request. Um, I mean, I guess I was, presumably it's the same. Um,
3: Yeah. That's interesting. Like, like echo what you got essentially. I think, well, there's maybe two cases to think about. One would be a bi-directional link and in the case of a bi-directional link, uh, you could statically configure whatever the bearer token scheme is. And then you just would be relying on the callback URL to um, sort of dynamically make that callback perhaps. There's some security considerations there, I suppose, but it would be more like um, so an attacker is like, I'm not even sure what the attack value would be, but like changing the URL to some other place, maybe it'd be like denial of service or something, but it seems pretty minimal. I think in the, in the other case where it's not a bi directional link, I guess that you just wouldn't be using this protocol because, you know, like a browser and a server are probably not going to be able to do this, right, without a WebSocket or something but not over HTTP.
1: One one uh, clarifying question. Um, uh, the Java and Rust connectors, do they have separate, they have uh, separate access token configurations for incoming ILP over HTTP versus outgoing ILP over HTTP?
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Or up here, okay.
3: well they can be separate i mean you you could configure well in java at least there's a few different ways right one is just like a shared secret in which case they're they're going to work both ways in the uh, sort of jot jwks based variant um, it might be a little more complicated not not i'd have to play around with it but I, i mean I think at least in Java, you can sort of configure it any way you want. So if you wanted them to be the same or you had some particular way you wanted to do it, it's probably likely you could pull it off.
0: It it raises an interesting point, though. Maybe, um, Kincaid, uh, we should get a bit of implementation experience on this before we merge it in. Like I, I think probably no changes needed necessarily to the PR, but why don't we try and implement this on the JavaScript and the Java connectors? Because I'm, I'm suddenly thinking now like async, you're going to have to run a server and a client um, and you have to somehow connect the business logic of those two back to the same connector. Um, and I hadn't really thought about the implications of what you would actually have to do in the code to make that work. Um, maybe we should like, Implement that and see, and maybe there's maybe there's some nuance here in the headers that we pass, or you know, something we're we're not seeing around like you know the same bearer token in both both directions, for example. That's difficult to do if, for example, your authorization headers are validated by an API gateway or something along those lines.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I've looked at it a little bit in the Node implement or uh, the JavaScript implementation. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's already operating both a client and a server already. So it, it shouldn't be, um, it would just require kind of some request response matching and keeping like in flight right. requests, but, uh, but, but the, client,
0: but the client and server currently are in like completely different code parts, aren't they? Like one is sending out prepares and one is yeah, um, yeah. receiving prepares.
1: Yeah, and it, I, I agree. Like, uh, um, implementing it might be a, a good idea to get a better feel for that. I guess one, one question I have, if the token, like, if the token, the access token is statically configured, you, you still have separate for incoming requests versus outgoing, uh, outgoing requests. Um, but like, is, is it okay if that's statically, like does it make sense for that to be statically configured but still have the callback as a header? Or is that just weird? <laughs> um,
0: do you mean, so, so you're saying if, um, if I'm running a server to accept prepares asynchronously um, and I'm authorizing them based on the bearer token and then when I make my callback with the fulfill, um, I use the same bearer token or uh, maybe I'm missing not the necessarily
1: the same bearer token. It's, it's just, I, um, um, okay. So the
0: bearer token is binding to I, a, I do, to a, a
1: peer token, but I don't know the URL I'm sending those requests to yet. Right. Right. Okay.
4: I, I,
0: I mean, that makes the most sense to me. Like if I'm setting up a peering relationship over HTTP today, I'm gonna to have a token that I use for all of my sends and you're gonna have a token you use for all of your sends. So you, you, like I'm gonna authenticate you somehow, you're gonna authenticate me. And if I'm sending you a prepare or if I'm sending you a fulfill or, or reject callback, I should probably use the same token on both. Um, that seems to make the most sense. Yeah, again, again, like David will know better than me, but when I've looked at like uh, sort of frameworks like Spring, um, a lot of there's often a lot of implied like um, ways you would do these things. And so if you kind of go against the grain of what the framework expects, it can be a real pain in the ass. Um, So I don't know.
3: Yeah, I was just thinking about like uh probably just to I would say marginally improve the security. I I, I might want to configure like um in 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 my like imagine A and B, right? Um in the configuration of the connector I'm operating. I I would probably want to configure like a wildcard URL so like it seems unlikely that um, if you're trying to load balance me back into some particular node that actually sent a packet to me. Uh, it seems unlikely those those all those different nodes would be publicly accessible from like wildly different domains. So I don't know, even even something like a, a wildcard subdomain as is part of my config might help say, yeah, it's fine if I hit node a dot you know, Rafiki.money versus node B, like maybe my config is like star.Rafiki.money.
0: But uh, do you want, again, I'm like a bit out of my wheelhouse here on the the cloud stuff, but um, do you want subdomains that allow external parties to directly reference instances inside of your infrastructure?
3: I thought that was a no-no yeah usually i I wouldn't I mean maybe I misread the intent um, of the of the spec, but it, it read to me like, hey, sometimes there are senders with state and you want the response to come back to the same sender. Is that just a header based thing, or is that actually like exp-
0: yeah, that that's what I was sort of asking about like the different ingress possibilities and like load balances and what they can actually do. I think somehow you you want to be able to route to a specific. Instance behind the load balancer, but I, I, I'm not sure what capabilities exist to do that. Whether it's header-based, path-based, cookies—I I don't know. May, maybe uh, M- M- Matt and Don and Karen have been playing with this stuff a little on the Quill infrastructure recently. They might
3: have some ideas. I see that—that's right. When I tuned in, so I missed a little bit of that discussion.
1: Yeah, I, I, I share the same. Like I have the same question: Are there security impl- uh, implications if? the load balancer is being bypassed? Like is, is that even a common uh, deployment pattern? So the, so, so the idea would be
4: generally if you were gonna be using complex gateways, you'd be doing auth at the gateway before you'd made routing decisions. Um, so that would negate that issue, right? No, uh, like that, that's just one comment. Like the other comment is like specifically targeting a node is just like bizarre for a load balancer. Besides the load balancer knowing it internally, how to do that? Like <clears throat> external services targeting a node, you might as well just use different like actual paths for different hosts if that's what you want, because that's the equivalent, right? Um, trying to do it any other way is just weird.
0: How how uh, what's a is there a common pattern for asynchronous HTTP in that way though, Matt? Like if I send a request out to a service and I'm and I give it a callback, how do I make sure that callback? comes back to the same instance that made the initial call or is that just not a thing
4: so i think the tricky part is so i'm first going to caveat that like i don't know about if there's any patterns because i haven't actually researched it but the idea would be that most hp services would be considered stateless right um, so the idea would be it would be like if you wanted to get back to the same instance then that instance would have to live in the realm of um like it has to be the, that logical service would have to be routable by the callback URL that you're giving it. Um, but I would suspect the, like the the, the weird part is like the pat like, I think we're moving to a point where connectors are becoming more stateless, like having shared state in sort of shit, like shared memory services like Redis or uh, Postgres or anything like that. So, uh, I'm just trying to understand, like, I think we're trying to do a lot of like this heavy lifting because ILP connectors like that, but I don't actually think that's a good pattern. Um, yeah, well,
0: it's, it's this, this, but there's, so there's kind of semi long lived state like balances and then there's a the state of a single asynchronous request, like the state of an asynchronous request. Would you keep that in like re- in Redis?
4: Um, so, so there's no reason you can't, right? I don't think that's uh, an issue. Um, like, a- again, like, the, I think the thing that we got to remember is, like, we're moving to a point where these payments might be getting bigger packets. So the idea of having such high throughput is less of an issue more than having, like, just being able to keep manage what we are in a more um, manageable way, because that's sort of what the spec is trying to do. Uh, mm. Yeah, I-, I could be mistaken here, but, like, I don't like, I think anything that we can do to make connect as less stateful is a move in the right direction. Um, and that's currently how um, coils internal infrastructure works. It's, very, it's like entirely stateless. Um, and that like, mm. so speaking to our partners, not the actual extension stuff, um, ILP relay. And that works really nicely because it's stateless. You don't really care.
0: Um, I guess, given the, given the requests, the request ID as an identifier, you could actually put the request state in some sort of store, key, key value store. Yeah. So, so I and, guess and and if you can time well. if you know,
4: yeah, if you know that's like, that's a thing, it's not like an unbounded set, right? The set is bounded by whatever the expiry is of that asynchronous going, out, like call going out. So, you actually know the bounds of that. So, like, if you know that you're, like your store of where you're storing this is becoming, um, too big. You wouldn't, you would basically just not forward the packet because your system would be overloaded anyway. Um, so that's like back pressure, right? Okay. Right.
0: Yeah. So that makes sense. So maybe it's not a problem you actually have to solve. It can, okay. Maybe, maybe, uh, an implementation, uh, if something's implementing the async HTTP, your HTTP processes, have to be stateless anyway. And the state would be put somewhere else. So uh, in the either in Redis or like somewhere. Yeah.
1: somewhere so, so, so I, I definitely agree with Matt that like if I were building a connector implementation today, that's the direction I would move in. It um, enables more resilience to crashes. And I think there are a lot of positive uh, uh, attributes to that architecture. But like that's a pretty significant change for ILP Connector, certainly for, probably for the Rust and I, I assume Java as well. Um, could you, like, and, and so I, like,
0: I... Yeah, so my point is not really that, um, so my, my point was I don't think it's something you have to solve in the spec like implementations can figure out how they're going to do it based on because there's quite a lot of variables here. It's like, am I behind a load balancer? If I am, how does that load balancer do routing post auth? Like, are my connectors behind that load balancer stateless or not, uh, et cetera. And I think you've got enough in your in in the specification here for implementations to solve that problem. So they've got a unique request ID that's comes back in a response ID for the matching. They could do that in a stateless way. They can gotcha. you know yeah figure it all out. So I, I guess my point is I don't think you need to explicitly call out solutions to that in the spec. Even yeah. though we've talked it through a bit here, maybe we actually
3: don't need to solve it. And to to that to that end, um is there a particular use case that is like blocked or breaking that that this is going to solve. Um, I remember we sort of I don't know, a month or two or more ago, we, ha- we had some talks along these lines and um, I think we left it in the like we let's let's research more. But I don't know that we ever like revisited.
0: Yeah, so you, you you missed Kincaid's kind of intro bit, uh, I don't know, Kincaid. If you want to refresh that, but this is a this is a robustness like improvement, incremental improvement.
3: But is uh is somebody asking for it? Because um, so for example, uh, spring to Rafiki at least. Um, I've been running you know, essentially ILP drip for months, um, and sort of tracking you know performance and and errors conditions. And I I see very little, like, you know, there's rejections, but like, I I, I see very little um, packets just dropped because, uh, and and like one side doesn't know what the other thought.
0: Yeah, I I guess we'd have to do a recon between the two systems to see if anything, if there's actually a difference in the view of the balances to know if anything was actually lost
3: yeah, okay.
1: One, one problem is, yeah, this, like, it's inherently hard to measure, uh, like, this class of failures. Um, like, I think in production, Coil has noticed some, uh, like, minor discrepancies between uh, kind of peers' view, uh, peer views of obligations, but we don't know, like, why those are. Um, so it's tough to say like how prevalent these failures are.
0: I guess on the, like on the one hand, David, like the one thing you could do with this is specifically the, the undelivered fulfillment problem, which is probably the biggest financial risk. Um, you can just implement the ability to retry sending a fulfillment like that, that we don't do today, or you can't do today because you try and send the fulfillment back of the same connection. And yeah, if, if the connection drops, there's no way of recovering. Whereas now you're sending the fulfillment over a new HTTP request. If there's an error, you can try again and try again until the expiry. Agree, there's, we don't have data to back up like how important this is.
3: Yeah, so I mean, like it in principle. I don't, I don't object to it. Like it sounds reasonable, you know, in theory. Um, I'm just like considering the amount of um, work, for example, still left to do uh, on the Java side. And um, like, it'd be one thing if like one of our, one of your or our partners was like, "This is a problem." Um, you know, that, that I'm just trying to like set set priority in my mind.
0: Sure. So I think one thing we do want to make sure is that how we spec out this API is pretty rock solid and likely unlikely to change dramatically reasonably soon because we are hearing positive noises out of wallets in terms of opening up ILP access. Um, and my guess is this would be the protocol they would use. So that would be one thing in favor of us spending a little bit of time just thinking about these problems and, and having ideas and solutions and having tried some stuff. Matt, I think you were going to say something.
4: Yeah. So, so David, to give you an idea the thing that we're concerned about here, it's, 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 not so much the problem has arisen yet. It's that we preemptively trying to, um, solve a problem that we know will occur, um, when we move to higher value payments, um, the, the, there's there's some talk about trying to see if we can push the max packet size up. And this would basically make sure that like, this this would cut off one of the vectors that you would be able to lose um, some money in the path, right? Um, so it's, it's not, I, I don't want to say we're being reactive, we almost being proactive about it, but it's, it's, it's not like super urgent, but it's something that we don't want to like let go. Uh, and then basically say, oh, fuck, we should have solved this ages ago. Because the thing we, we're learning is getting partners to roll out new infrastructure later is an incredibly complex task. It's not something you can just say, please upgrade to this version. It's And like that happens overnight. It's it's, it's a weeks, if not months conversation sometimes.
3: Yeah, so I, I guess I would, uh, maybe this is a, a topic we can continue in, into the next call or, or some other way, but I question if this is the right solution for that problem. Um, so for example, in, in the spring infrastructure, we, we have something called Hermes, which sits in front of the connector. So the connector is stateless, but Hermes is stateful. And it happens to be written in a way such that like you could imagine, so like, you know, it's testnet at the moment, but one, one frequent path is from spring to Rafiki. So in the case of like a send money operation from spring, the state is living in Hermes, so the sender. Connectors are stateless. Right now we do um, synchronous ILP over HTTP and that's great. So you could imagine that we embrace this proposal between Rafiki and spring. Um, what's interesting about it is, is our Hermes, um, let's imagine we, we didn't make it asynchronous. Um, so the connector would sort of have this asynchronous on one side and synchronous on another. Uh, and you could be like, well, why would you do that? Like, um, you, you know, the path, it's all spring infrastructure, but like in the context of an ILP payment path, it strikes me that, um, unless you can force the whole payment path to be asynchronous, um, you're you're really just talking about like the fulfillment guarantee between any two peers. So assuming that that lo- like that logic stands, then Spring and Rafiki in this case just need to come up with some kind of protocol to make sure they don't drop big packets. And I, um, the 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 thing that this protocol doesn't solve is still the timeout problem, right? So if you imagine a 30 second like um, window, let's say if the async request doesn't come back in time, you still have timing issues potentially. Um, So in my, like, this is kind of a complicated topic that maybe even like, I, I found it helpful to like go through visually, like on a slide or a whiteboard, but like, Essentially, what we're what we're saying is, you like you really can't guarantee the fulfillment unless you have some kind of um, something like an atomic notary or some kind of third party validator, because there will always be timing discrepancies between any two peers, and that becomes more acute with big big packet payments.
0: That's a great um, tee up for uh, two weeks time. David,
3: <laughs> I think. <laughs> awesome.
0: that I, I mean, we've only got we've only got a few minutes left, so I don't want to. Um, I don't want us to get too deep in the weeds and then have to get cut off. But I, I think um, just to round out this uh, conversation on Kincaid's proposal, I think Kincaid. Um, everyone seems there seems to be consensus that everyone likes the proposal. Um, David has some suggestions about like you know I think issues that it doesn't address that you know maybe. in in the next call, we can discuss, uh, you know, where they sit in terms of priority of, like, problems that need to be solved. Um, I think the other thing we should do is experiment a little bit with implementing this and see um, if there's any gotchas in, like, the different frameworks and and stuff we need to worry about. Um, And maybe just a note somewhere in here about um, authentication of the callbacks and how that should work. Um, was the only other comment that I think I picked up from the discussion. Any anyone else have anything that I've missed there?
3: Yeah, real quick, um, Kincaid at, at Spring at least we make a lot of use of um, RS two fifty six for authentication, especially with our wallet. Um, so take a look at I, I wrote this quite a while ago, but and it's just like a proposal phase on the RFCs repo, but. I think it'd be interesting to consider your proposal in light of the three sort of different security models laid out in the auth profiles RFC.
0: That sounds like something we would also need to discuss in a bit more detail.
4: Yeah.
0: Um, also, I okay. also, also just
4: want to add to, to David, just to not leave him hanging to answer, like I think a lot of what you raise are valid points and uh, agree with a lot of those points. Um, so yeah, not, not to say we'd like those aren't, Similar, similar thinkings to I think how we've thought about it. Um, so you don't have to wait two weeks to, to hear that. So I think we're yeah, very much on the same absolutely. page. <laughs> uh,
0: and I think let's start the conversation uh, on the forum or on Slack or whatever. Let's, let's maybe come in with uh, some structured talking points and David, as you say, some visual aids, if, uh, if that's gonna help. Next call is uh, the 30th of September. Uh, thanks everyone for joining. And thanks again to George and the team for, um, you know, for the, the demo. Um, really appreciate that. Uh, and do please, uh, you know, keep in touch, um, keep us up to date as things go. And hope, hopefully you'll join us again in two weeks time. Thanks everyone. Uh, have a good couple of weeks and we'll talk again on the 30th of September. Thanks. Al. Ciao. This is great.